Sorry, speaking of crispy. Oh, yes. I, I do have a food recommendation for you, Paul. Oh, get, lay it on me. Um, I don't know if you've ever made crispy fried scallions. Okay, I have made scallion oil, and the byproduct of making scallion oil is that there are fried scallions in it. Is that is it basically what you do? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, because I've been using that scallion oil on pretty much everything. I've just uh, put it on rice, and it's uh, delicious. I love, I, I'm glad you brought it up, because I love to talk about it. <laughs> it's, a del- <laughs> it's such a delicious thing. That is the secret. We make lo mein noodles with it, and ooh, ooh you just do a little bit of the oil. You do, mm-hmm. we put some miso or some like, um, I forget what the name of the Korean soy paste is, but we, we'll use that sometimes. And nice. um, uh, what's the other thing? Oh, soy sauce. Uh, so, yeah. you know, we get a little bit of the American, uh, great American soy product that we have. Uh, <laughs> we put that in there. Um, but you mix those together into like a little like sauce and then you make your noodles and you just pour that into it and you put a little bit of that noodle water in there. Bingo, bango, o- scallion oil noodles. It, it it literally makes everything better to say nothing of the crispy scallions you get as well, which also make everything better. It's one of those beautiful things where there is no waste. It's a zero waste uh, proposition. You just create two delicious things at once. Uh, totally. Have you tried this? Slice up mm. a little garlic and throw some garlic in there too. Ooh, no, I haven't. Slice it like thin, but not too thin. Okay. And put those in there. And then you get crispy garlic bits too. I do love a crispy garlic chip. Like Ooh. if I'm doing like a, a, a tofu bowl or something, mm-hmm. a little crispy garlic in there is real nice. Oh, so good. I haven't tried it yet, but I also have been thinking about maybe throwing in some. I've gotten real big into shallots. I'm huge into shallots right now. Shallots are like everything we love about garlic and onions. Like two millennial uh-huh. what's cooking, it smells great items. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're the chocolate peanut butter cup of the vegetable world. I mean, the one problem with shallots. Okay. The only problem with shallots is you're gonna you're gonna cry, which might be good for you if you are looking for outlets to like express yourself a little <laughs> bit and like you need a safe reason to cry. Uh huh. Shallots yeah. will do that. Uh huh. Oh yeah, they'll clear you out. I think they're like they're a highly aggressive onion. You, like like yeah, the most aggressive onion you've ever encountered. It com- they're coming at you. I'm about to buy those little safety those like uh, science class safety goggles for my shallot addiction. Why because- aren't we wearing safety goggles? in the in the kitchen like what's the what what's the harm you know what i mean i will say but i'm not sure if i subscribe to this and this seems okay. very catholic to me so okay i'm gonna, vet, right. I'm gonna vet it with you paul I'll, I'll, I'll love to hear this go ahead uh my my dad and my sister keep bees okay and uh they're very adamant on the fact that occasionally you will get stung mm-hmm. by a by a honeybee mm-hmm. and if you keep bees for long enough, it's not a deal, and it makes the honey taste better because you suffered a little bit for it. <laughs> that is cat. That is very Catholic. <laughs> I think shallots also maybe taste better because the stinging in your eyes is still semi-present when you're when you're eating the crispy fried shallot. Uh huh. So. It's like it's like, and I don't know. I've never given birth, but I would imagine that giving birth, <laughs> the pain of it is a little bit of the like. You're like, I went through that. I went. I endured yeah. that. Yeah, it's a it's a a little bit of. This better be worth it because that sucked. <laughs> it's like a it's like a runner's high, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is very this is highly Catholic thinking that we are going to <laughs> pain is good. Actually, it's good that we felt pain. <laughs> I deserve to suffer a little bit. I can't have this be pure pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shallots, dude. Fucking shallots, the delicious treat that stabs your eyes. <laughs> Crisp them up though. Crisp everything up. Throw everything in a little bit of oil. Let it mm. simmer in there and slow and slow. If you're listening to this and you want to try this, 
just turn your oil. I like to do it in a wok. That's how I usually mm-hmm. do it. And then mm-hmm. bonus seasons your wok to taste like delicious things as well. Uh, but yeah, you just throw it in there and I just do like a like a low heat, like a one or a two on my on my burner. That's smart. I went a little too high, I think. Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm used to like making like uh, uh, karage or tonkatsu mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, that's the temperature this needs to be. It's not. It's a thin shallot. Like you just need a little bit. It's just of- a it's a slow. Yeah, you can just let it happen. I like with the scallion one. I do that over like a half an hour period. That's really slow. Real slow. It's a real slow extraction of those flavors. I have much to learn. Try it with the garlic in there. I'm telling you, try it with the garlic. And you're gonna be, you're gonna love it. No, I know you're right. I I, I know for <laughs> sure that you're right. You, uh, what do you what have you been putting the oil on? Um, so I do I do this rice bowl. Um, mm-hmm. that's I, I put some olive oil on some broccoli and a cast iron, mm-hmm. and I throw that in a really hot oven to kind of char. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I f- I do the crispy fried shallots and shallot oil and then i fry uh some tofu on one side and then i make a sauce um with uh some soy sauce some ginger a little bit of sriracha Mm -hmm. and uh i use vegan butter Mm because one of my roommates is lactose intolerant Mm -hmm. but also vegan butter makes a damn good sauce it's good it's good stuff it's just good tasting oil that's all it is you know (laughs) with with like cornstarch in it there's their two pillars soy and corn (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's your hardworking American agriculture. <laughs> Prior to recording, Kevin and I were talking about the the two products that are in everything: soy and corn in America. Yeah, and how like that's interesting. But we could also like subsidize other uh, agriculture bits. And then I said that I feel really old talking about <laughs> this kind of. Thing. You get older, you start cooking for yourself. And I mean, maybe some people cook for themselves their entire lives, but I feel like it's like one of those rites of passage for a lot of people. You move out, right? You start being like, well, I have no money. I better cook food or else I'm not going to be able to eat, you know? Yeah. And so then you you move into that phase and then you start having food opinions. Yeah. Well, I start having food opinions when like I come back from the grocery store and I'm like, I spent how fucking much? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Because we're not, we're not getting the goods. Because all the good cheap stuff. Is the stuff that ha- has subsidized corn and soy in it? Yeah, are are we already feeling the the absence of Chad here because <laughs> we're getting very deep in the weeds on shallots, which we should subsidize. <laughs> I would love it if they were add a new pillar, one more pillar. If you add shallots, I will forgive the soy and corn pillars. But yes, you are correct. I think Chad would have been like, guys. Sonic time now. I know he would have said something about Song the Hedgehog, and I know he's listening to this episode right now because he listens to every episode. He does. He's the the primary reviewer of episodes. But I feel like I feel like he would have said something fun and funny right about now. But yeah. we gave him we gave Chad uh, his mandatory vacation day mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so that so that he could have a little time to chill and we could tackle another. Another Goosebumps book. Another bump. And uh, I, uh, we're talking about Chad right now. And I want to say I was reading this book and I was three quarters of the way through it. And I said, God damn it. Chad is not going to be here to talk about this. Uh, and Chad, you're listening to this right now. And I really mm. mean it. I was There was a moment where I was like, this is something that in the, I don't remember how many years we've been doing this show for, but it is something that Chad and I have railed on. And this book does it. Which is, and we'll get. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk too much about specifics. But this this book 
lays some seeds in the beginning of the book and then reaps the harvest at the end. Surprisingly, <laughs> something that RL never does. He decided to do it in this book. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, let's 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 start the show proper. Welcome to Goosebuds. My name is Kevin. My name is Paul. And Chad is not with us currently, but he is listening, and we love him dearly. Chad's uh, ghost is here with us right now. Yes. Uh, this is a show where, you already know, you, you can read an iTunes description, so you're, you're good. <laughs> you can probably tell from context clues just by the name. <laughs> this, uh, this episode, we've read uh, the Goosebumps 2000 title, Attack of the Graveyard Ghouls. Uh, 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 so what's the book that's coming after this it's something slime right it's like slam street or something like that it's like like slime time or clam street or something (laughs) Slam streets Uh, i just wrote i was googling i was gonna google the series to try and bring up the series and i googled goosebuds goosebuds 2000 (laughs) oh man if we could all if we could all just like get in a time machine or de-aging machine or some combination of the two and go back 20 years <laughs> i would love to have been able to do this show as goosebuds 2000 I, we missed the window it would be like 17 year old paul and chad recording with 13 year old kevin you know what kevin I, it's a bad idea actually <laughs> now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> if i had that brain that level of brain not that i've advanced that much but if i were on 17 year old paul level things would be bad it'd be a lot more magic card talk i'll tell you that much Hmm. <laughs> i'm ready to say it i'll cancel myself right now <laughs> Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I'm ca- I'm canceling seventeen year old Paul. <laughs> uh, Brain Juice was the uh, was the name of the next book, and we so we laid out the two books: Attack of the Graveyard Ghouls, which is what we're reading today, and Brain Juice to Chad, and offered him his manda- his mandated day off. And yeah. Chad said, "Brain Juice sounds more interesting." So, <laughs> I, but you know what? After having read Graveyard Ghouls, I'm not so sure because this was one of the most interesting books we've read in my opinion this book rules it it has foreshadowing and themes and a message and characters that are interesting and chaos and the darkest imagery this book is filled with dark imagery like things that i did not think were possible to be done in a children's book yeah uh some dark stuff happens some kind of interesting gender fucky stuff happens towards mm-hmm, the end as mm-hmm. well it has a gender bending ending it has a gender bending ending it's and cool. that's great it's cool uh here's the thing paul yes yes kevin i don't think rl stein wrote this book and mm. not because it's good <laughs> okay elaborate please um i just think like i can see little touches of rl's hand in here like for sure the the mention of sour falling hard on hands and knees all that like that's there that's easy to just slot in some cat slander it's a little bit of cat slander hashtag what happened to duke hashtag where's duke <laughs> i know i th- i had the same note oh I my the, god I the exact same note. i cannot believe they left me hanging on duke oh my god it's fucked up it's fucked up but that that all seems very RL. What doesn't seem RL are all the things I mentioned. The, mostly the the addition of a message uh, mm-hmm. in in the work mm-hmm. does not seem very RL. He does not seem overly concerned with moralizing goosebumps. Exactly, and I think the message and again the the actual setting up of character traits and mm-hmm. story. Uh, this one is is replete 
with the story setting a thing up and then utilizing that thing to create forward momentum in the story or to create a character moment in the story. Again, things that never happen. Usually it's just like, oh, I'm scared of bees. Uh, never going to see a bee in the story. Or if I do, it's not going to have anything to do. It's just going to scare me and then that's it. And then there's nothing, you know, it's not going to make me grow or change. It's just going to be. But in this one, our character is scared of of spiders and then has a legit face the fear moment, you know? Like, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the details, but it actually comes into play. It's wild. And like, there are, there are a lot of like very, like, goosebumps things in there like the use of live animals in scary scenarios that mm-hmm. like I, I i like really noticed that in Horrorland that we read with ian um like return to Horrorland has a lot of animal-based scares and so does this one wildly enough but yeah it's 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 cra- it's crazy how much this book uh feels literary when held up to the other Right, we've read. I feel like we've read a couple that have been literary, and I think they've been in the 2000 series, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think I I can't remember exactly which ones at this point because we read so many of these books. But I do believe, like, I think Cry the Cat worked for us, right? Yeah, Uh, I did like that one, and I feel like there was another one too that we actually, when we finished, we were like, "What? That was a pretty good book." And I, I, I'll say, well, I don't want to spoil too much. I don't want to give too much ahead, but I do think the ending, I think, it misses in this. But I think everything mm. that leads up to that, the finale of this book is great. It's the it's the um, the denouement that fails, in my opinion. Eh, it's sort of the finale that fails. I would argue the finale is actually the portion before the portion that I think fails. Um, but I think the portion that fails was intended to be the finale. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll I, get there. I, I also I also felt a little bit empty at the end of the book, despite so many setups being paid off by the end. There's a couple screw ups. There's a couple missed missed moments here. Uh, and I think it's sad because there are so many good moments throughout it. Yeah. To give you a, a, a run through of some of the characters, our main guy is the scrawny goody goody Spencer Casimir, which is not an RL name. No, no, no. And then there's another <laughs> name in this too, which is... Uh, What's his friend's name? Uh, Audra, Audra Rusinas. Audra Rusinas. Like, wow. Like, where did these names come from? That's odd. They feel like real people. <laughs> I think uh, subliminally, I knew that I was in for something different just from reading Spencer Casimir. Mm-hmm. Just from reading Spencer that Casimir. Oh, the reigns of Casimir, my the guy. The reigns. Like... <laughs> 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 we and Casimir burns some shit down. So it yeah. it is this works on levels. It's not just a fun it's not just a funny sound alike. It thematically ties together as well. Oh my god, the amount of arson in this book. It is this is arson centric. Oh man. Um this book takes place in the fictional I, I think town of Highgrave, which is Dark Souls as fuck. It's yeah, it's very like it's very uh re uh HP uh, Lovecraft via a newer perspective, a newer a newer not racist perspective. Uh <laughs> and it uh it's it's pretty incredible. So like the town of Highgrave literally has a high graveyard that overlooks the town and uh as our our uh main character Spencer writes in a uh, opening uh, opening book essay uh, if you live in Highgrave, you can't escape the graveyard, which is true of everywhere and everyone. No one escapes the graveyard, Spencer. <laughs> but but it is where it's, there is a high graveyard that overlooks the town. And the imagery here is incredible. It is. And like, okay, so 
when I learned that the first like couple uh, pages, they're actually part of uh, Spencer's essay, I was like, oh, this is RL writing a way more interesting like dream within a dream type thing uh-huh. and then moving on to the regular bullshit. Yep. Like he's done, he's done that a few times before. Yes. Um, he's had the kids write stuff before. I feel like this time that he started it out, it was really interesting. Uh, he started it out writing it like I feel like he would, a kid would write it where he kind of like mm-hmm. did short declarative statements and like made it mm-hmm. made it feel like not that he his prose is incredibly uh, complex in any at any point. Um, but I do feel like he tried to like make it sound like a kid had written it. But then it jumps into like his like poetic descriptions of the mm-hmm. graveyard and it moves be it, again. I don't know if RL wrote this because it's it's like there's some really good scene setting of this graveyard, like talking about the, 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 the mist that's forming on the bottom of the graveyard and the, the gravestones are floating above the hill overlooking the yeah. town. Great stuff. Amazing stuff. We get among our antagonists are Frank Foreman and Buddy Tanner, two shits who are in <laughs> uh, Spencer's class. And I love that Spencer thinks that everyone thinks these two guys are cool. Nobody thinks they're cool. Nobody thinks they're cool, Spencer. They're just also afraid of them like you are. <laughs> Only Frank and Buddy think they're cool. And you were just reading their, they're just projecting an air of strength and confidence that you are not currently capable in your in your period of life to, to project. But you will be able yeah. to eventually, Spencer. It w- your day will come. But for now, you must know, do not reveal your weakness to Frank and Buddy because this, <laughs> it is what they feed off of. Because Spencer writes a paper about being afraid of spiders and then they put a spider in his desk every day for a month. And again, you may think, oh, a fear of spiders. That just shows you a scaredy cat. This actually comes back. This is it an important detail. Back. It never comes back. <laughs> it, I'm surprised I even wrote it down. Like I expected it to come back. I didn't. It it just comes back. And then and then he and they're, we're going to hit a couple more things soon too, which come back. Which is oh, it's it's truly it's it's not it should not be that impressive because it should be basic ass writing. But in in this <laughs> in this series, it's it's impressive. It 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 doesn't feel like there's too many unnecessary elements in no. this work. There's not a lot and of fat on there's not a lot of fat on this one. It's pretty it moves. It goes. This is a prime cut right here. This is a this is a this is a, this is a uh, uh I don't, I'm trying to think of a, uh, a prime cut of meat. Couldn't think of one. Prime rib. I, sure. I I I can't I can't afford the good the good meat. So <laughs> whatever the good know. meat is. <laughs> yeah. This is uh this is a extra firm block of tofu right here. <laughs> So this is a big cup of soybeans right here. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so Spencer has a rather sizable family. Uh, yeah. Yes. Which yeah. I did find a little exhausting, but I think I was kind of meant to because there's mm-hmm. a lot of characters we were being intro- introduced to. And, and another like, another proof that this was maybe not written by RL. No descriptions of what they look like. Nope. Their ages are mentioned, but only briefly and not in relation to each other and the power dynamics that that, that creates. <laughs> In fact, all the kids are seemingly on the same level of power in this house. You know what I mean? Like, they're all creating their own chaos within the home. And the parents seem to hate all of them equally, which is another thing that is not normal in an RL book. Usually, our main character is the most hated. There, there's some, there's some like, uh, some dad body language towards the towards the midpoint of this book uh-huh. that is very funny to me, and we'll get there. Okay, but for for now, you need to know that. Uh, 
Uh, Spencer has a younger brother, Jason, and two other younger sim- siblings, Remy and Charlotte, who kind of get mashed up into one just chaos. Right. They're a chaos. They're, they're like, I, and I think that RL does do that where like, he'll just be like, ah, these two kids are a unit. Uh, they have no defining, no individual yep. defining properties. They're just a unit of, of there are two uh, pieces of chaos that exist. Yeah. He's done creepy twins before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's Duke, who's a black cat and a good little, little man. Duke is sweet and just likes to rub and love on everybody and does a good job of protecting them from rats. Yeah, which is apparently a threat in <laughs> in this rural suburban neighborhood mm-hmm. of Highgrave. Mm-hmm. So here's my first problem with the book. What the first like thing that that didn't really go well with me. So I'm like in Highgrave, right? I'm like it uh, sure. Name aside, uh I guess you would name your town Highgrave because it has a high graveyard. That's fine. Uh, but there's stories about ghouls that live in the, in the graveyard. All right, that's spooky. That's a scary thing, you know, like, and it's a scary looking mm-hmm. graveyard. It looms over. There's a, there's an, there's an air of fear that permeates this entire town. But then the reason for why the ghouls are haunting the town is because they were buried up too high. Not really buying that excuse. Could you could have like, I know you're trying to play it. You're trying to like keep the, we're trying to use every part of the, of the Buffalo, but Maybe it'll give us another, like, slightly more creative reason as to why ghouls are are uh, rising from the dead in this town. Maybe the fact that half the turn- town was burnt down at one point. Maybe <laughs> maybe have the you know the specter of of uh, citywide arson uh, be the reason why ghouls are uh, prevalent in the graveyard that sits above I, the entire town. I thought the ghouls being present because the graves were up too high was part of Spencer's original, uh, like essay or, I think or so. story i think so so he might just them that might just be a reflection of his ignorance mm. uh, that he doesn't know why there are ghouls in the graveyard he's like oh, maybe it's, maybe it's odd for a graveyard to be this high and like he doesn't know about his town's dark history of arson and hangings that's a good point because they don't he he goes so they go on a class trip to the to the uh graveyard and that's when he finds out about the the dark history of the town which okay, a little glossed over right like we don't get and maybe that's realistic because maybe a kid wouldn't you know maybe they would see the information about that town being burnt down and then kind of move on from it right like not like not fully pay attention to it so maybe it's realistic but i did feel like some pretty big truth bombs are dropped when they're up on in the graveyard yeah uh and i i've gone on a field trip like in in Massachusetts, like there are tons of places you can go where it's like, here's the problematic history of this exact spot. Like uh-huh. we, used, we used to think there were witches here, and we killed a lot of teenage girls. Oh yep. well. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah, you're a hotbed for that stuff. <laughs> and that's where we take like elementary school kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we t- take elementary kids and don't teach them the the real reasons and the right reasons. <laughs> don't teach them the right aspects of it. They're like, ooh, witches, huh, kids? Here, buy a mug. <laughs> witches are still the problem, right, kids? <laughs> you, you kids are anti-witch, right? Of course you are. Of course, course you are. You are. <laughs> I so I think this part, this opening, is really interesting too. Just one other little uh, thing. He he gives us full. He's giving his 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 speech. He's reading his paper on high on high grave on the grave. Yeah, and he's being heckled by Frank and Buddy, um, mm-hmm. the two that never shut up. Yep. And he keeps getting in his head and is having these like he's going on these long diatribes. And the time dilation of this moment is really strange because we're in his head head for like paragraphs and pages. 
And then, like, the teacher's like, go on, Spencer. Tell us the rest of your story. And then, like, <laughs> Frank says one thing, and then he's back in his head for another, like, two or three pages. And then the, the bell rings. And you're like, was he just standing there, like, silently contemplating for, like, ten <laughs> minutes? Or was he, or was time dialing? Like, were, was it, were we just, like, hyperspeeding through his brain, you know? Was this, like, a Aronofsky, like, hypercut, you know, like, in his, in his mind? Uh, so I thought that part was a little strange. But uh, it worked out. He goes home. Um, he's he's hanging out with the family, as you said. Uh, we're mm. we're seeing the chaos of the family. Um, yeah. And uh, I think it's his job to take care of the kids for the night or something, right? Yeah. So he puts on a cartoon and he calls up Audra, who's his friend. But it's very clear in another very non RL move that he kind of there's a there's a bit more admiration there. Yes. Like, yes. He wishes he could be closer to Audra. You know, I'll say this about the books and the ones that we think are written by RL and the ones that we don't think are. I think anyone that has romance typically isn't written by RL. I think RL typically goes for a platonic relationship, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's more likely. From what I've seen, yeah. And And for a while, I was wondering if that was like a note from his editors, but it might just be a stylistic choice on his part that he just prefers to do platonic relationships which i which i respect i would respect that not that i think that you can't have this what what this book has but i do respect going with the platonic relationship i i think like as a as a as a young young man uh being exposed to the idea that men and women can be friends and there doesn't have to be any romantic element to that i would i would have liked to know that <laughs> yeah it's like seeing the lord of the rings for the first time and being like wow Men can be nice to each other and just be soft and in love and love each other. That's great. <laughs> yeah, for all the problematic shit about scrubs, one thing I think they did very right was like close male friendship. I'm like, yeah, like it's good to show that. It's good to show that. Show that, please. Spencer yeah. Spencer does have this crush on on Audra, uh, and Audra is pretty much letting him know that she likes him too. She's like, <laughs> she does not like Frank and Buddy. She's not hanging out with Frank and Buddy. And she's inviting Spencer to go dancing. And so, but he, which he refuses to do because he doesn't want her to see him acting like a fool, which will come back. Another callback related to this later in the I book. would, I never would have guessed this, never. this would come back, but it is telegraphed later. There's another dancing yes. beat. Yes, yes, there is. Yes, which, which also is a, a self contradiction inside of the story, but that's okay. We'll get there too. But Paul, yes, as a young man, would you go dancing with a girl? No, that, that, that seems a lot for me. It's real. It's real. <laughs> this book nails little boy idiocy because not only does Spencer not go dancing, the obvious invite from the girl that he likes, who obviously likes him, and he avoids that. But they're on the the, the field uh, trip the next day, and it's cold out, and everybody's wearing their winter their fall or winter clothing. And he decides not to zip up his jacket because he wants to prove that he's rugged to the girl he likes, which is just I love that. I love that. That's real too, and that's the idiocy. It's like totally missing the obvious one, and then doing the really stupid one. Yeah. Like, she already likes you, dude. She asked you to go dance. You don't have to get pneumonia for her to like you, dude. <laughs> Men would literally rather get pneumonia. And dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
I think like 15 seconds into exploring the graveyard with his class to do like graveyard rubbings mm-hmm. or whatever grave rubbings. We did this too in Massachusetts. I don't know why. I don't know why. We never did graveyard uh, rubbings. I was like, that's not going to come out right. But I guess it does. I guess it really you works. Got, you got you got some interesting graveyards in Philly. Oh, yeah, we totally do. We just I, I don't think we ever did a graveyard rubbing. I don't remember mm. it. Yeah. Later on, as you get older, a graveyard rubbing becomes a different thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they've, oh they immediately God. knock over a tombstone. <laughs> you got me with that one. <laughs> I mean, it's a quiet place. What is there, one person that works in a graveyard? They're not getting bothered. Oh, if that, if that. <laughs> I mean, the cops know. They'll they'll buzz it, but. Right, oh yeah, yeah. As long as you can throw the booze somewhere, then you're fine. They're gonna hit the parks and the and the and the woodses first, you know. <laughs> yeah, or the water tower. Or the water. That's tower. a very specific joke for my high school friends that got trapped on top of the water tower when the cop came. Oh my god! Well, that's a smart, dangerous but exciting place to make out. <laughs> very true. Uh, similar to the quarry, which is also a dangerous and exciting place to make out. I'm not going anywhere near the quarry. No, thank you. Uh, quarry at night. Uh, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that no kids in my uh, in my memory disappeared into the quarry. <laughs> so they knock over. They knock over uh, gravestone. A gravestone. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They, they knock that shit over almost instantly. And w- there, I, I should have written down what it said on there, but I think it says something like, "If you disturb us, we're cursing your ass." I'm yeah. paraphrasing here. Yeah, and oh, the other detail is that Spencer lost his backpack somehow, and he's borrowing his little brother's purple Barney backpack. Yes, yes, and this is like, that was a moment that I bounced off a little bit where I was like, lose your backpack, you know, like, that's like, as a kid, that's like, you you need to hold on to that backpack. That's got your most valuable possessions inside of it, you know? I, I just put all that shit in a in a plastic market basket bag, kid. Would you just market? Are you were you doing tote bags back in the day? <laughs> were you leading the tote bag fashion no, accessories? No, I would. I, I would say I literally put it in like a thin plastic grocery oh. bag, <laughs> rather than <laughs> use my little brother's kitty backpack. You like, mean the, you mean the stuff I put my my cat's poo poo and pee pee in? <laughs> yes, exactly. No, you're right, Kevin. That's. 13 again 13 year old or 12 year old boy logic like i would rather do that than borrow the purple barney backpack i would absolutely do the the trash bag i would take it in a trash bag before i would take it in the back in my kid my kid brother's backpack in in spencer's defense the the bag is unmarked it is purple and it's right. the same purple as barney which right. is, which it, it, i learned that's a detail that's been cut out of later printings of the book mm, i didn't know that what did it? What does yeah. it say now? What is it just? Is just purple, and that's it's just purple. It, there's no mention of Barney. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I think that was an important detail. Yeah. Well, I, I I do too. It really it really helps to sell the childishness. Maybe of it. I, I guess they're they're banking on or they're thinking that kids might not know who Barney is now. Maybe. I just also I pictured the backpack is super tiny. Yes. Like, like it's like a um. I don't know, it's like a rave backpack or whatever. I was going to say, it's like a backpack that like a cool girl wears, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's got some E in it. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some some Molly in the backpack. <laughs> Jason's Molly. You know that Jason has the heavy Molly habit. That's why later Jason is like, I got to get that backpack and back. That's why, I, I, and that's why Jason's into dancing. <laughs> <laughs> we cracked the code, Kevin. This book rules. This book fucking rocks. Never mind, I like the ending of this book now. 
<laughs> I made it work for me. <laughs> so he's wearing this backpack. He gets made fun of. He knocks yeah. over the gravestone. It, okay, I don't know. We were talking about Catholic Catholic things, right? Yeah. I, as a Catholic boy, uh, gained a lot of superstition. Uh, yes. I was a very superstitious person. I uh, really relate to um, Martin Scorsese because he talks about how his uh, Catholic upbringing made him incredibly superstitious. Um, and I really relate to that. And I think for me, as a kid growing up, I was very scared of ghosts in graveyards because there were a lot of superstitions based around them, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. monsters scared me, but in a different way, like, where, like, there wasn't there was, wasn't that level of believability, but, like, because religion taught me that we do have a spirit within us, ghosts were real in my mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There is a holy ghost. There literally is a ghost. <laughs> You kind of have to believe in ghosts to be Catholic. Like exactly. Those two are sort of inseparable. And also Catholicism places a big emphasis on ritual. Yes. And like we do, we observe certain rituals for a very like practical purpose. Like right. these are useful things and you should, you should observe these traditions and rituals. Otherwise there will be fucking consequences. Yes. Uh, Christianity or Catholicism is an OCD force multiplier for sure. <laughs> That one got me. <laughs> that's, that's fucking real. Um, All that is to say, I would yeah. have found this very scary and knocking over a grave. So I'm, so I'm just saying this book is working for me because I'm totally I was putting myself in my in my young child shoes reading this book. And if I read a kid knocking a gravestone over, especially one with a fucking written curse on it that said, I'm going to curse your ass if you knock this over terrifying to me so this is this one was really kicking for me at this point so like when you first start doing confession like when i first started doing confession yeah and i didn't do confession for very long no but like when i first started doing it i was like shit i gotta think of some sins i've done do you like, make I, up a list I, of, of easy sins well you have your real sins that you're not gonna talk about and then <laughs> you know? like when i when i did like yeah like when i did a real sin i'm like that's not coming up in confession. <laughs> like in my mind, jerking off, real ass sin. Not talking about that. <laughs> Definitely, I, that was one of those ones that like real ass sin, and I know I'm going to hell for it if I don't. And I'm like, I'll get around to talking about that one. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna punt that one for a bit. All right, I fought with my brothers and sisters. That's the one I'm telling today. That's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a reliable one. That's a reliable. I lied to my parents. You know, like really easy ones that you don't have to feel really bad about. God, this is this is dredging up some memories. And this is where we need Chad too to be like, guys, it's okay. Move on. <laughs> true i can i can seriously talk about catholic memories for uh like three podcasts so <laughs> we can move uh, on we can move on all right so spencer comes home and he he gets uh he gets spooked because something grabs his leg mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. in the graveyard or does it this is a classic rl moment and i think if there's if anything points to an rl moment or to rl writing this it's this one where a thing gr- definitively grabs his ankle, right? Like a hand mm-hmm. definitively grabs. Does, does it say something to or it just grabs his ankle? I can't remember. It it grabs his ankle. Um, I, I don't know if there's words yet. I don't think there's words yet. Yeah. This could be, this could be like the beginnings of the ghoul trying to enter him. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't know the ghoul <laughs> rules yet. We, yeah, we're, we're unschooled in the ghoul rules. <laughs> oh my apparently. God. Oh my. Incredible. <laughs> And uh, so Spencer gets freaked out. He he loses his baseball hat, which, uh, you know, if you wear a baseball hat to school and then you mm-hmm. have to take off your baseball hat, but then you go outside of the school and you get to put your baseball hat back on. Uh-huh. That is 
that like that is as close to being like uh, a, a cool kid that you're gonna feel like as a baseball hat wearing little nerd. Without like, a doubt, without a doubt, because that's that's bringing a lot of cool. That's like that's yeah. that's that's carrying the cool for you. Yeah, for whatever reason, you can't wear your hat in school, like anywhere in school, which always right. bothered me. Right. Yeah. It's what are the what's the rules here? Are we at a dinner table? Are we? Well, yeah. for me, I was in Catholic school, so that made sense, right? <laughs> Yeah, you're at God's dinner table. I mean, God's dinner table. <laughs> we must follow God's dinner rules constantly. Uh, yeah, that was my reasoning for it. But I, 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 were you allowed to wear hats in public school? I didn't go to public school until high school. I was not allowed to wear hats in public school. Okay. And you know what? I get it if it's at a dinner table, all right? I don't want Tony Soprano coming over to me and telling me to take my hat off. <laughs> that would be scary. Do not wear a hat to an Italian restaurant. No. God, no. You only have yourself to blame for the consequences of that. Like, just in case, just in case, like, the proprietor is uh, a, a t- an old school Italian guy. <laughs> maybe just take off your hat in the McDonald's. Just take it off. Who knows? Maybe that franchise is owned by Tony Soprano. Who knows? He's got his <laughs> fingers in a lot of different pies. We, yeah, the the show could have gone anywhere from that finale. We don't know if... <laughs> He cleaned up. He took a. He got a. He got into franchises. There was that Jamba Juice moving in. He decided to buy in. That's a real plot line that he buys into the Jamba Juice. Oh, nice. Now I kind of want a Jamba Juice. I. Uh, we were. Uh, you know what? I was just going to derail it further. I'm not going to do it. We'll talk about Jamba Juice in our Camp Goose Buds co- podcast, which you can find by donating to us on Patreon. Join Patreon to get the juice. Oh, and we're doing brain juice next time, so that'll be a lot of a lot of Jamba Juice talk. It's Juice Month. It's. Ju- Get juiced. It's juice month. <laughs> June is juice month. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I love it. I love juice month. There's a chaotic energy when it's just you and me. You really I don't yeah. I didn't realize how much I always felt like maybe I was con- I was the one who was like keep containing the chaos, but now I'm realizing that it is Chad who is the one who contains the chaos. Like I I love having Chad around uh, because he does contain the chaos, but I do find it really interesting to remove one of us from the equation and see how like unbalanced we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a writer exercise almost to put two characters like like there's normally a third character, but we'll take one out and now they have their episode. It's like all the Zuko field trips in Avatar season three. Uh huh. This is our Pine Barrens Sopranos episode. <laughs> this is you and me lost in the Pine Barrens. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be good because this is a great book. <laughs> All right. He he loses his hat. He loses his bag in the fear, in the fear moment, right? So, like, he runs yes. off. Now, I, I was like, all right, losing the bag, maybe. But the hat, mm. to your point, Spencer's got hat hair. And he's going to, and he's with his crush. And he's going to forget yep. his hat. I'm not buying it, Spencer. <laughs> I do like also in between losing his hat, uh, he does rezip up because it's too cold to be <laughs> rugged. <laughs> yeah, he, he realizes he's already uh, presented fear to in front of his crush, so he yeah. might as well he might as well just uh, go all in on being a fear boy. Might as well be cozy, be cozy fear boy. <laughs> so he's got to go back for Jason's purple backpack, or else Jason's going to throw a fucking shit fit. Yeah, I think Jason confronts him about his backpack. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, and is like. Where is my purple Barney backpack? Yeah, I'll tell mom wow. and dad, and then you're going to have to confess that you stole my back, stole and lost my backpack. Yeah. So he calls up Audra, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I, w- <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the graveyard at night, and I need backup." And she's like, "You're, you're totally stupid." Yeah, I'm down. And at that point, 
at that point, you got to be like, this This girl digs me. She's totally into him. In fact, she <laughs> essentially, she, when she shows up, she tells him, she tells Spencer that Frank the bully called her and she told mm-hmm. him where they were going, which is totally her being like, I'm going on a date with Spencer <laughs> to the graveyard. Yeah, it's no big deal. Just going to the graveyard with Spencer. Just going to the graveyard, which also, Audra, let's tighten up the ship here. All right, like we like you know what you just did. You know you let slip. You're not you're not you're not good at keeping secrets, and you know you just created a jump scare for us later. Yeah, and Audra, if Frank calls you, let it ring. All right, let it ring, or or you know, pretend to be your mom for a second. <laughs> you know, if like in classic, like there was no way way to know who was answering that phone. You can you can lie a little bit. You're going yeah. on a date. You're going on a date here. You know, like. It, Keep it a little sacred. Yeah. So it's it, good advice. It's, it's good advice from the Goosebuds. It's good advice from the Goosebuds when you're going on your graveyard date. They go to yeah. the graveyard uh, and they're looking for the bag. It's dark. It's spooky. And there's some great mm-hmm. imagery again. Uh, but then the bullies show up as they're so they're looking around. And uh, I think Spencer is hears something behind him and he thinks it's yeah, he, Audra. He hears some heavy breathing. Behind heavy breathing. Him. Yes. And he thinks it's Audra. And then he sees Audra in front of him, and he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> er? 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 <laughs> and then it, I think it turns out that it's Frank, right? Frank and his Frank and Buddy, his buddy. Yeah. we Actually, we don't really know the source of the loud breathing. Okay, we don't. I don't, I don't think the shit twins could, like, move like that. Like, I don't think they could, like, disappear into the night. That's uh, true. That's true. I just read it. I definitely read it as it being Frank, but you're right. It wasn't. But they do show up, and they have two more beefy, described as big, beefy guys. Two more big beefers come along with them for this scaring, scaring that's, that they're doing. That seems like overkill for Spencer. For, like, just Spencer? They're, like, for, pulling out, like, their two other muscles? Like, Spencer, the writer? They need to get the big muscle out? Well, I mean, bullies are cowards, so. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, so all. <laughs> Like, Spencer tries to fight back, but, like, they just, like, totally, like, shut him down. And then they uh, take out some rope, which is exciting, because we learned that someone was hanged in this town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't uh, talk about that. We didn't talk about that gravestone, which was an excessively dark little detail. Uh, yeah. And it's funny, because they've, to just backpedal a little bit, they talk about that gravestone, and they're like, that guy must have been real fucked up. He probably murdered somebody. <laughs> And then they yeah. knock over the the gravestone he does knock over, which has the curse on it that basically is a threat to him. Uh, he's like, well, these are two little boys that died here. Uh, they probably died innocently uh, and did nothing uh, bad whatsoever. Yeah, he's like, I'm a child. I believe in the criminal justice system. We were right to hang that person. I don't want to think of a world where we weren't right to hang people. <laughs> and two little boys, they could never do anything wrong. This book is subversive. And there's a very subversive scene about criminal <laughs> that's tangentially yes. related to criminal justice yes so, uh that we'll get into in a bit i'm very excited to get to that <laughs> but yeah spencer is uh tied to a grave with rope and then left uh to the elements as audra dips <laughs> yeah audra dips out but she does say she's gonna get some help so and this is the only thing that allows spencer to mentally make it through the first portion of this scare, right? Like mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. Cu- he steals himself, knowing that help is on its way. Uh, but it's this is a scary sequence. Like I thought about this moment, and I'm like, this is really terrifying. Can you imagine legitimately being tied up? Like he tries to get out of it, he tries to wriggle out of it, and it just grows tighter. You know, 
Uh, he tries to make noise. He tries to make noise to steal himself, and he accidentally summons bats, <laughs> which come at his face. <laughs> I, I love that part. I love that felt that. very RL to me. It's just like, ah, bats, the ultimate villain. It's like, no, they're little squeaky mice. Like, the they're, fly. they're scared of your voice. You scared, you rustled them up. <laughs> bats are cool little dudes. I, I won't stand for this bat villainy. No, I, and we have uh, Josh Henderson was on this show recently and has a, yes, yeah. has a very anti-bat story, but I still stand with you, Kevin. I think bats are cool little guys. They're pollinators. They're nice. Yeah, they're sweet. They eat yeah. little, they eat bugs. Uh, but the bats are not the worst thing to happen to Spencer tonight as a oh, green no. grave mist, a sour, sticky mist, uh, <laughs> starts coming out of the graves. This was definitely touched up by RL, but based yes. on all the sour, but this is a good use of sour because we get a sense of how sticky the grave mist is, which I thought yes. was an interesting little note. It's, it really puts you like, cause mist is, it's spooky in like a visual sense, but in like when you're just talking about it as like a descriptor, not typically that's here. I know I said at the beginning that this that it was used to good effect there. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was, but like mist is not really that threatening, right? But you're no. right. This mist we can tell is like almost like a blob. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a nice little uncomfortable. You're tied up style scene. Yes, yeah. And you're being forced to basically being uh, you're being Dutch ovened by ghosts. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, essentially. It's scientifically. Scientific. Yeah, that's I mean. what we would call it. Yeah. Um, and then we get the, the haunting chant of, I need your body. Scary stuff happening. And then ghouls emerge ghouls. from everywhere. Ghouls everywhere. And they're described in... Uh, now, here's one thing that I will say that RL... And this is why I think RL did touch this up. RL loves to go on a little too long. He has like... We need like... Two, maybe three good descriptions of a ghoul. He gives us like six or seven ghouls here. Yeah, a lot of uh, flyover pages. Yes. <laughs> Just spent on ghoul yes. descriptions. There are multiple flyover sequences in this book where I was like, okay, all right, we're going to get, get to the point. Get to the next plot point. Please, please, please. Enough table setting here. Uh, but there are a lot of ghouls. One pops out and it's an old woman. And she says, Oswald Mance and his brother burned down half this town. They set it on fire for fun. People died. <laughs> so many people. <laughs> and that's, that's dark. A, that is dark as hell. We realize that Spencer's uh, crime gauge is way off uh, again because he totally yes. he totally got the assessment wrong. Uh, and uh, we find out that the, the he messed with some bad ghosts. He knocked over the worst gravestone he could have walked, knocked over. He then feels an interesting sensation as he is pushed out of his own body. Yes, a hand is uh, places itself upon his head and pushes down. This is a again the the anytime that uh, so this happens multiple times throughout this mm-hmm. book is where a ghoul's spirit takes over uh, someone's body, and even when Spencer is doing it, which we'll get to. It is, it's really fucked up. It's a really strange and uh, odd sensation that's conveyed through this. And I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It definitely feels weird. Every time they talk about it, it's it's a it's a weird sort of... It's like, um, a, it's like a body agency thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's creepy. It's very creepy. And then he becomes an invisible mind form sort of thing. Like he's just a floating mind. He tries to look at his hands and he doesn't have hands. He goes full out of body experience. He gets like existential as hell. He's like looking at his own body, which then grows a like rictus smile upon its face, which is extremely terrifying. It's like a, like a clown like smile. He's like a smile. I could never 
I could never make on my own face. He says, a smile made with my lips, but not my smile. Yes. It's fucking creepy. It's like, this book has the biggest scares of any Goosebumps book that we've read, in my opinion. Now, I may have said that before, but I really, truly think this is the scariest Goosebumps book that we've read. This is unsettling. Um, I I don't think any part of it it feels like jump out like crazy shit your pants scary. No, no, no. The, they nail the unsettling aspect of a lot of this because there's so many moments that are just wrong yes. in fun ways. That's the distinction, right? There's like two types of scary. There's a lot, many types of scary, but I think like you could break it into two camps. There's like, you're really scared in the moment because like there's a threat and then there's the constant unsettling low level terror, right? Which is like, mm-hmm. that's what this book is constantly having. It's just a con- like a like a slow bubble of scare that's constantly yeah. happening. Yeah, he becomes he becomes ghost mist. Yep. And then his parents show up with Audra. And I love that Audra didn't go to get her parents because then she would get in trouble. <laughs> she <laughs> instead went to get uh, Spencer's parents. You know, she's been trying. She's been putting out a lot of signals to Spencer and he's been really uh, he's been really dimwitted about it. So, yeah. uh, you know what? Let her uh, let her. I uh, use Spencer here to avoid a little bit of trouble. She she deserves it. She's been she's been frustrated for a while. Yeah. So when uh, not Spencer, uh, we find out it's Oswald Mance later. Yes. Yeah. Um, when when Oswald is in Spencer's body is untied, his mom hugs him and his dad squeezes his shoulder. I love from a, that <laughs> from a respect that. from a respectful <laughs> distance because he doesn't want his son to grow up creative or emotional or anything. <laughs> I can't hug you, but I can hurt you with the light, the lightest amount. He's like, he's like, this is physical contact that the <laughs> the books I read said that a father should do. <laughs> I have saved this for twelve years, son, and I'm going to use it now. <laughs> You'll get another one when you graduate high school. <laughs> Kevin, I, I, I also took took note of that very dad moment right there. I hug my dad, but like, yeah, it. Uh, I know you hugged your dad. I know your yeah. dad was very affectionate towards you. Paul, you might have hugged my dad too. Like my dad's a nice guy. I actually don't think I got to get a, a, a hug from Paco, but I will. I know I will. Well, you got to come back. Yeah, you got to come back. Definitely. Uh, but I do love just that that funny little bit of the dad being like kind of distant, even though his son was tied to a grave. Like I feel like that's an appropriate moment to hug your son but i am i'm creative and emotional so they, I would say <laughs> they both they both had the worst night of their life you could spare a hug here dad <laughs> yeah they take ghost spencer oswald spencer back right mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. home they all leave leaving ghost spencer uh ghost mist spencer floating in the wind and he can't control this where he's going he's just he's purely bounced about by the wind and he's he's bouncing about the uh the ghouls begin to do a ghoulish dance around him and uh yeah. and and begin to and and it's incredibly creepy it reminds me of the windmill town in Elden Rings uh it's, it's <laughs> yes, that yeah. was that was what i was imagining uh and it's terrifying imagery and he's he's lost he's a, he doesn't know what he's going to do and then until quote until i saw the rats <laughs> this which made me fucking lol i fucking okay. Yeah, the the rat scene is crazy. It's like that footage of a, I think it's like a fox decaying. It's like a famous thing that you would see in like school where they would show like the process of a body decaying in time lapse. 
That's mm-hmm. how I saw this scene play out in my head. Because earlier when they were walking up, I think there's a small jump scare of a rabbit that jump scares them when they're going into the graveyard. Or maybe they see the rabbit earlier wow. during the day, right? Even that's a setup with Even, a payoff. Yes, yes. They set up the rabbit. So we see the rabbit earlier. And now the rats come. <laughs> For some reason, a wave of rats come. And Spencer is brought along with the rats. And... Uh, does he enter the rat before or after this? I think it's after, right? So the rats form like a, a horrifying carpet and yes. just devour a rabbit alive. A feeding carpet comes across and and clean and cl- like a cleansing fire sweeps through the through the graveyard and picks the rabbit clean in and it is described pretty de- pretty detailed and. I was like, do rats actually do this? And then I was like, I don't want to I don't want to know if they do. I, I know that there will be a video of it if I google that and I will not google yeah. it. Uh it's a pretty terrifying image, but then I think this is where Spencer realizes, hold on. Maybe I can jump inside the body of something. Maybe I can do this. I saw it happen. So let me try it. This is where things get anime. This okay. Go on. <laughs> like this is where he is like Maybe I have the same power, and like he manifests it by, in their words, invading a rat. (laughs) He puts his ghost mist hand, quote unquote, (laughs) upon a rat and possesses it. Which, when you extrapolate out the science, the rules of what is happening, he sends the the rat spirit outside of its body. As a boy, (laughs) he has he he knows who he is, right? Does a yeah. rat know what it is when it's removed of its its base senses? <laughs> that is the, that is a fucking sentence, Paul. right? What what happens to that rat spirit? <laughs> you, know? you know, i I think he I think he dooms that rat because ghouls can't leave the graveyard once they're in it. So yes. he makes a rat ghoul, and the rat ghoul is now bound to the graveyard. Yes, he, he binds this rat spirit because he takes its body, leaving it. Right? Yeah. Leaving the spirit. So unless that rat has the wherewithal... Rats are pretty smart. So maybe the rat could figure out how to possess something. That's possible. But he does bind that spirit to the to the graveyard. Then he feels the satiation of having eaten the, the, the rabbit from earlier, yep. uh, which is gross. Um, but it's not enough. <laughs> and, and, well, he feels... He also has this, like, kind of, like, beautiful moment of... Like running across like the field as a rat mm. and like feeling the wind in his whiskers and all this stuff, and it's like kind of fun. It is. It's like he's like kind of like he's seeing the the grass is t- is massive and the trees are massive, and he's got a whole new perspective on life. But then it then a little darkness comes back in, and the sounds of the insects take over, and he realizes he's in a in a cacophonous hell world, you know. <laughs> And he's like, I gotta eat this worm. <laughs> then he gets hungry again, and he yeah. fucking eats a worm. He, he bites through its rubbery skin, and its black blood is uh, goes in all over his face, which he licks off hungrily from his face. It's described as sweet, which is like crazy to think Ugh. about, but like maybe in rat senses, this is delicious. He's definitely. It's funny how much of his. I guess his like ethos stays the same Mm. his like emotional ethos stays the same but his baser instincts become uh rat-like because he definitely enjoys eating the eating the uh worm which we're supposed to read as disgusting but he is definitely enjoying it yeah it's an interesting meditation on uh what a body and mind unity is and what is us and what is our like base 
physical needs in a goosebumps book in a goosebumps book this this one hits some spots it's great so uh he eats the worm and then he makes his way closer to his house yes uh but just outside his house he gets a whiff of a decaying cheeseburger in a trash can sweet green meat <laughs> and he's like i gotta get that decaying cheeseburger and he wolfs it down and he's loving it again he's not grossed out in the least it's taste delicious uh but Sadly, he raises the ire of other rats who see <laughs> see him eating in their territory. They come for him, and he makes a narrow escape, gets up on a on a, a power line, uh, which takes him into his house, uh, where he feels that he is safe, only to be pounced upon by Duke. Duke, a cat, a setup and a payoff. It meant something that they had a black cat. It's it's great. It, like again, we're doing it. I will say this is this mild moment of cat slander, in my opinion, because they make Duke become a heel briefly, but they do. He does turn it around. <laughs> I mean, if I turned into a rat, I'm not sure either of my cats would would know it was me. No, you're right. It's they are the enemy. They would become the enemy at that point. Yeah, I feel like I could not coordinate a false flag operation <laughs> with my cat. So. <laughs> And that's uh, Houdini's very smart, and I love her, but I don't think I I could get into deep political uh, warfare with her. No, no, there would be no. You would not be able to bridge the the mind gap with that cat. Yeah. So there's a there's sort of a lengthy Duke fight as uh, Spencer as a rat Dark Souls dodge rolls around <laughs> around the Dude. cat. Okay, so this part like I was like, there's a reason why cats kick rat ass. Right? <laughs> yeah. But in this book, maybe it's because it has the mind of a Spencer within it. I don't know. But in this but in this this thought in this time, the rat is the better of the fighters because he whips around, gets onto Duke's neck, and rides Duke like a horse. Yep. I mean Duke gets some good hits and like he grabs yes. Spencer by the tail and starts whipping him around, which is a classic cat move. Yep, that was that was some good cat writing, and I think that maybe at that point RL showed that He's observed a cat or two, or whoever did write this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is where the anime powers of Spencer yes. are uh, evolved further when he realizes that he can jump out of a physical form and into a new physical form. Mm -hmm. A more powerful physical form now. So he bails out of the rat and upgrades to Duke. Mm -hmm. He goes into Duke's mind, and the rat just sort of falls over dead. Yeah, so at this point, we're saying we're saying that when when Spencer relieves a body of his spirit of his ghost mist, yeah. uh, not near the other ghost mist, he's essentially dooming that rat to being dislo dislodged from his body for eternity. Which worries me about Duke. It makes me worried about Duke. It's implying something that I don't want to think about. I think the only reason the the rat ghost couldn't follow was because it was trapped in the graveyard. Oh, so I do think there's hope for Duke. Okay, so you're saying ghost mist trapped within the confines of graveyard unless the corporeal form takes mm. it out. Yeah. Then ghost mist outside of graveyard, full freedom. Right, because later on we do get we you're do right. get another ghost mist interaction. But you're right, um, you're right. The, but by the way, this whole like mechanic of like jumping into bodies reminds me of one of my favorite Nintendo sixty four games, Space Station Silicon Valley. Yes, I was also thinking, wasn't there a game called Geist that was like this too? I think so for like the GameCube or something. Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I I like the body possession mechanics of most games. I think they're fun. Yeah, that 
has it been explored? Uh, we're going to get the route, but I feel like that hasn't been explored a lot since that era of uh, N64 and GameCube. I feel like there hasn't been a lot of body possession stuff going on. I feel like it must be tough to do, but what do I know? I just make them. I'm sure I'm almost positive that the mechanic has been explored further and I just have not <laughs> played them. Yeah. If anyone's got any wrecks, let us know. Yeah, please. I forget what happens first, but uh, as Duke, Spencer goes in through the cat door mm-hmm. and attempts to warn his parents by meowing at them. He just does cat stuff, ultimately. He yeah. tries to wake them up in their sleep by pouncing on their faces, playing with things, <laughs> y- meowing, which is just all cat stuff, all a thing a cat will do to you. So nothing that would be out of the ordinary that would make his parents recognize him as uh, being a child trapped in a cat. Yeah, he tries to get a pen and write a message, but he's a cat. So. Yeah, it worked. He was able to utilize uh, his rat body in ways that a rat should not be able to, but he mm. did not. He is not able to do that with with Duke's body. Yeah, well, his, his dad picks him up as a cat and throws him outside and locks the cat door on him, which is uh, don't do that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, does mean. he see the eating before or after this? So now he breaks back into his house. That's through, right. Through like the kitchen window. Yes, that's right. Oh no, through the bedroom window. He goes back up through the bedroom window because he finds his room torn to shreds, which is a t- that's it. Yeah, it's a pretty terrifying. Again, another terrifying image. There's just like someone has gone berserk here, right? Yeah. And he follows the trail of destruction downstairs, and then he sees his body with uh, what's it Oswald? What is it again? Uh, yeah, Oswald Mance with is- Oswald. Yes, is inside of his body. Basically unhinging his jaw and la- and lacking a gag reflex, literally swallowing entire pickles whole from a jar. S- swallowing whole pickles from a jar and eating an entire jar of mayo. Drinking Just- buttermilk. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> disgusting. It's such a great gross out scene. And also, it's also kind of funny because you know that... Um, if if even if Spencer is victorious, he's gonna have to deal with the gastrointestinal fallout of that. <laughs> he's gonna he has a lifetime of gastrointestinal issues ahead of him because of this. Uh, I, okay, at this point, I want to bring up what something that this that occurred to me while reading this book. Up until this point, this book has been a pretty good scary scary imagery and stuff like that, but mostly just like spooky ghost story, right? At yeah. this point. This book becomes an Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, demonic body horror. That is what this book becomes. This, when we see this sequence with with uh, with demon with demon uh, Spencer, mm. that's from here on out. It's just what are the what are they called um, in in uh, Evil Dead? They have a name for the um, uh, the demons. They're called uh, Deadites. This is like mm. we are dealing with Deadites at this point. <laughs> It's incredible. We have like, it's the same level of like, they're angry, they're destructive, and their eyes are turned into like this horrible pitch black. Uh, no yeah. pupil or or sorry, no, uh, no uh, um, white of the eyes. It's all pupil black. And they talk in like a horrific voice. Weird. It's Deadites. This is some Sam Raimi shit. It's incredible. I think the fact that Spencer is also there in a different body to observe his body, mm-hmm. like, being a freak is is powerful it's something i haven't i hadn't really considered in like the body swap horror genre yeah yes definitely um it's really cool and uh basically oswald can tell that uh duke is not duke duke is uh being driven by spencer yeah mm-hmm. there's like a there's like a sense and an ability to hear each other 
Uh, we, mm-hmm. It's shown early on that Oswald is the only one inside of Spencer's bo- inside of Spencer's body is the only one who can still hear the spe- the ghost mist of Spencer. Oh, we also forgot. To, uh, sorry, this will come up later. Uh, but uh, as Spencer was leaving the graveyard, he heard a faint "Help me, help me," and he's like, "That's weird," and we kept running. Yeah, <laughs> better not deal with that. Uh, just and he, in his defense, was filled with rat hunger at the time. Yeah. And it was probably a weird sensation because apparently male rats drag their balls everywhere. (laughs) Doesn't he talk about the belly rubbing on the ground? Yeah. That's code for balls. That's his balls. Male rats just drag their balls everywhere and you can track them. I learned that from King of the Hill. Thank you, Dale. Thank you for that little bit of information. No Dale set talked about that. Positive. (laughs) Yep. Anyway, evil Spencer, a.k.a. Oswald, Mm -hmm. grabs uh, Spencer Duke, the cat. Mm-hmm. And puts them in the basement in a cardboard box and puts a heavy thing over the cardboard box. Which is sad and scary. It's a scary image because he takes them in a dark corner and puts them in there. It's, it's like, again, it's just like, doesn't feel right, you know? Like It's it's dark and, and not just in a... in a Not in a literal sense. sense. Like, like a thematically, like this is like, it's just a dark... I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like what's being told to me. <laughs> but I think it's interesting... Because mm-hmm. basically, if Oswald, like, we know Oswald's a killer and an arsonist and a, and a, and a bastard who yeah. wouldn't think twice about killing a sweet little cutie pie kitty cat. Yeah. But if he does kill Duke's body, then he knows he just ejects Spencer. Right. I, I think we're under the assumption, right, that, like, mm. Spencer is cut free of mortal yeah. coils, uh, uh, ostensibly. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen until the very end, right? That that would make sense as to why Oswald doesn't just kill Duke. Right. So there's, there's a kind of a scary and sad scene where Spencer, as Duke, is, like, caught in the cardboard box and is trying to claw at it but can't get through, and he's losing hope. And then, to make things worse, there's a spider in the, in the box. Yep. And this is great, because we call back his fear of mm-hmm. spiders. And I think as a reader, maybe as a kid, you wouldn't pick up on this right away, but you're a little bit ahead of, of Spencer here where you're like, all right, get in the spider. And he's yep. just scared of the spider for a little bit. But in a good character moment, he realizes I need to I need to overcome this fear. I need to become the spider to solve my problem. And he does. Now, here's my only problem with the spider <laughs> sequence. It goes so fast. And this is it's like a big. very ca- fast. It's very fast. And this is a big character moment. I feel like there was more time. There was more rat eating, disgusting rat eating than there was <laughs> spider overcome fear of spider moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, there there could have been some interesting character turns there as the spider. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It. I feel like there could have been a lot more there, but it just interrupted the pace of the book. And it's fine. Just like, yeah, yeah. Let's get going because there's arson and, and crazy shit. Yeah, now happen. the book has shifted into its final chaotic gear, which is he takes the he rides up into his brother's room as a as a spider, uh, decides that he's going to, to hijack his brother's body, uh, ethically yeah. dubious choice. Uh, but uh, he detaches his brother's spirit from his brother's body and enters yep. his and enters his brother's body. Uh, there's a cool sequence where he can't control his brother's body right away because he's used to being a spider, which I thought was like a fun like mechanics thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like where he just it's like anime as fuck. It's anime as fuck. It's just a kind of a cool moment. It's a cool detail that I don't think normally would be in a. Normally, I feel like in a Goosebumps book, he would just take over and we would just move on from it, right? But there's a little detail that like kind of grounds this in a little bit of realism. But he takes yeah. over his brother's body and he starts hearing chaos everywhere. And he runs yeah. outside 
And without freeing Duke, without, without I, I'd like to point out, Duke, without freeing Duke, I have the note. But what happened to Duke? <laughs> like, yeah, I I think probably Duke is fine. I choose to believe Duke is all right, and that his little like ghost self just sort of went back into his cat body, or maybe the spider geist went into the cat, and Duke went into the spider, and they just sort of switched. They they yeah they species bended like who knows yeah. like but I yeah I choose to believe that uh, calmly Duke's spirit made its way back to its body like a cat spirit would. I think there a cat is a calm and and uh, nonplussed uh, type of creature that would deal with this very well. I mean, this is just my personal belief, but I think cats are incredibly used to astral projection and they're probably <laughs> pros at it. So. I think they're doing it constantly. I think that's why they sleep so much. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're not sleeping. They're just going for a little ride. They're je- they're jecting, baby. <laughs> that's why uh, my cats leave little signs up uh, all over the house that say gone jectin. <laughs> Out for lunch. <laughs> Out for a little spirit lunch. <laughs> Out to kick the spirit tires a little bit. (laughs) Uh, So in his little brother's body, Mm -hmm. in Jason's body, Spencer goes outside to see his whole neighborhood on fucking fire. Babies crying. Babies crying. People outside of their homes looking at them on fire. Windows smashed. Cars flipped. So now we're also shown, again, to the deadite theory, we're shown that Oswald inside of Spencer's body has tremendous strength. Yeah. Like, unhuman strength. I think Oswald just doesn't give a shit about Spencer's body in any way and thus can perform these super strength feats. Incredible acts. Because he's, like, literally jumping on cars, flipping them over, setting them on fire. There is such a tremendous amount of destruction. It's true. I I was uh, shocked, honestly, while while reading this. I say this with a lot of the, the Goosebumps books I like, but... I think this could legitimately be a really cool, uh, if not like live action, an animated yes. featurette. It, I think if you did it with like a Sam Raimi sensibility, this would be a really good little short in, or or maybe even full movie in, in any fa- in, like live action animated, I think would be great. Yeah. I just think animated would work for all like the rat scenes or whatever. Yeah. The rat scene, maybe you do a little like a hybrid animation live action film. You know what I mean? Yeah. That'd be yeah. fun. It it's wild, he, and he goes chasing after his trail of destruction. He finds him at a house, I believe, uh, yeah. where there are firemen, and he steals an axe from a fireman. He steals an axe from a he fireman. Steals an axe, brandishes it, threatens them, runs away, and then two police officers show up. And Kevin, I'll let you handle the sequence. <laughs> okay, so two cops with guns are like, "Put down the axe." Jason runs up and says, "No, don't shoot him. That's my body." And the cops are like, kid, you're crazy. We have to shoot this tween. (laughs) (laughs) This tween with an axe. He's got an axe. I'm like, you don't have, he's just, he's, I mean, you don't know that he's a ghoul officers, but like, (laughs) there's two of you, you both have guns and he has an axe and is 13. Like, that was way too real. (laughs) It was, I, Kevin, it was a scary moment (laughs) while reading that. Cops won't help you it was loaded it was a loaded scene (laughs) and they don't and they don't help 
No, no, they, they're not, they're not here to help or protect you. They get distracted with the moral quandary of shooting a 13 year old, their moral quandary of shooting a 13 year old, <laughs> uh, and the, and he slips off. I don't they're... think they're distracted by that. I think they're distracted by another child saying weird shit. And they're like, do we have to shoot this guy too? And they, <laughs> and they take their eyes off of, uh, right. Oswald for a second and he's gone. Oh shit. Am I going to have to shoot two kids tonight? <laughs> That's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> And then Oswald slips off into the night, and then our boy slips off after him, uh, yeah. finds him at Frank, who, uh, what's Frank's last name? I think they say it. Foreman. Uh, Frank Foreman. He's at the Foreman's house, uh, which yeah. is, what is it? It's not even, it's like a, is it just a house? It, I thought it was like a compound of some sort. I think it's just a house. This is just a weird little detail moment where nothing really happens. No, it's just sort of like Frank comes out, he sees, it, it, this is a thing where I think there's a little bit of waste, right? Frank yeah. really ultimately doesn't matter. I guess there's a slight moment. It, no, it's really wasted. It ultimately could have just avoided this whole scene. But Frank comes out, threatens Oswald Spencer, uh, eventually subdues him um, with the help of young Jason Spencer, uh, yeah. Sp- Spencer Jason. And uh, they he's like, go get your parents. I'm going to hold him here. But then he notices that Oswald, who says that he wants Frank's body because it's big and beefy, uh, begins to take over his body, to which Jason Spencer uh, tries, you know, breaks them up, tells them to stop mm. because he's gonna, he's gonna, he knows that he's gonna be, grow even more powerful with Frank's body, right? Right, right, right. So like he stops it. Frank s- says like, ah, you're like, what the hell are you doing? You know, I think at this point Spencer runs off again, right? Yeah, Oswald as Spencer. Oswald as Spencer again. runs off again. Uh, so ultimately, that scene doesn't lead to much. It does threaten. It, I guess it establishes the threat of what Oswald is going to do. We do know that yeah. he's searching. He does state that he is searching for a better, stronger body. But we see <laughs> we we see what the better, stronger body is that he was going for, right? Yeah, and then um uh, <laughs> uh J- Spencer in Jason's body is like, I gotta get Audra because I can't do this shit on my own. Right. So he goes to Audra's house, wakes her up, and then realizes that. She's been ghouled as well. Uh, it's Martin Mance inside Audra's body. There were there were twins in that gravestone, so we should have known that there were going to be that there was going to be a twin possession, right? Yeah, I'll be honest, wasn't thinking about it though. That was well done. It was well done. I like and like it makes sense. She doesn't get the fl- she doesn't flee the graveyard when she's going to get help. That's when she's captured by by Martin's spirit. Uh, yep. it, it makes perfect sense. Um, but it you know I think the book did a good job of obf- obfuscating that. You know. Yeah, I, I I legitimately did not think that would come to pass, even though it's very like blatantly like uh, telegraphed that there are two uh, Mances. There's Oswald and Martin Mance. Yep. So we have this great moment of uh, of another fight. I think he is thrown across a room at this point. Um, Lots of fights. Like this is great. There, again, it's very Raimi-ish. It's very like there's yeah. like some Evil Dead energy coming off of this. Uh, so. Uh, I think what he does is he he flees, right? Yeah. He discovers that Martin is taken over by... I'm sorry, I'm reading the thing right now. Um, And he realizes Audra's in the graveyard. So he goes back to the graveyard. He sees a grave that says, Defeat death only by living. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is kind of a nice little... That's actually a pretty good little statement, I guess. Um, yeah. uh, And he then he hears Audra's spirit, which is the, the voice that we heard earlier as he was leaving the graveyard as a rat. Um, and he, a dog just happens to show up. A little bit of a con- p- plot con- a convenience here. I can see a dog showing up. 
uh, running into the woods after his house was set on That's fire. That's true. <laughs> the whole house, the whole town is on fire, so there's probably a lot of loose dogs. So yeah. a dog does show up. It's fine. Uh, and he gets Audra <laughs> to to dump into the body of the dog. He teaches her a- how to anime into uses the anime powers yep. to get into it. Uh, yep. And it's it's Oswald ass kick Oswald and Martin ass kicking time to you know. Yeah. So. Uh... So Spencer in the body of his little brother and Audra in the body of a random black lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, the dog does not want to be possessed. Like it's kind of a struggle to get the dog. Yep. Yep. It fights. They they make their way back into the wreckage of the neighborhood to square off against the Mance brothers. Mm-hmm. And th- at this time, Jason's spirit decides that he wants his body back. Yeah. And tries to get into the Jason body as Spencer's already in there. Yes. So there's a struggle where the two brothers are fighting over the body. Yeah. And he begins sort of rocking around and it turns into a dance. It turns into a dance. And I do want to say that the sequence leading up to this, prior to this, where the twins, Oswald and, and or not the twins, but the brothers, Oswald and, and Martin, are threatening the family is incredibly yes. terrible. They're holding axes over them. They're smashing him across into the coffee table and like threatening chopping up a piano chopping up a piano it's pretty scary but yes so like this is all happening the threats are happening and then the dance begins and that's and that's when now this is the part that didn't work for me right yeah so the dance begins and suddenly spencer realizes what his brother is doing and is that he read the defeat death only by living to do what it meant was to do something that only the living do which is dance which the book goes against itself because we literally see the ghouls dancing earlier in the book. They do a dance of the dead. It's, it's said in the book that they do a dance of the dead. So it's not something that only the living do. It's literally something that the dead do in this book. That kind of pissed me off. Yeah, but they don't. The the I mean, the the dead aren't pop dropping and locking like that's uh, true. Spencer no. and Jason are. Spencer and Jason are crumping, and it's sick. <laughs> uh, and they they start doing this while this and. I love this. I do love this. I I don't love the reasoning for it, but I do love that Spencer gets into it. And and there's a description of him dancing to a wild rhythm, which I thought Mm. was so fun that he's He's just like, he's crumping. He's just having a great time. And it (laughs) begins to drive the spirits of Oswald and Martin out of his body and out of, and out of uh, Audra's body. Uh, and eventually it works. Their bodies are, are freed. I, we don't, are we told what happens to the spirits? Do they just disappear? They're just, I think they're just pooped out into the universe or whatever. Okay, they're out into the ether. I do find the image of uh, a a young boy and a black lab just sort of like holding hands and paws and dancing in the middle of the street while the the entire entire neighborhood (laughs) burns around them. While like firemen and police officers are like, are scattered everywhere and like there's just chaos and yeah, and people, oh my god, it's just. What an image. While a misty graveyard looms above them in the yes, back. Yes, <laughs> yes. So they, they release the bodies. They decide to get back into their bodies, right? Jason fi- yep. fully takes over his body again, and Spencer's spirit is released. Audrey le- releases the, the dog's uh, body, mm-hmm. and they head back to their bodies. This is the great moment, because you're like, how are we going to clean this up? You know what I mean? Yep. Like, how are we going to get these kids back into their bodies, and then what are they going to say? to everybody in town about why they destroyed their own town we're just not gonna deal with that right kevin no no because something way weirder happens instead in that they miss they 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 actually like uh they they fumble a little Mm -hmm. bit 
and Spencer ends up in Audra's body, and Audra ends up in Spencer's body, and there's like a good couple paragraphs where Spencer's just marveling at how pretty he is. Now. Yep. <laughs> yep. Take take from that what you will. And that's where we're left. And as I'm reading on the uh Goosebumps wiki page for Spencer Casimir, uh general information about Spencer, alignment good, status, <laughs> alive, parentheses, in Audra's body. <laughs> And that's where we're left. That's where we're, we are just dropped there. Nothing is resolved, which is probably for the best. And yeah, we get some nice gender bending ending. And, and here's the thing. That's only like a weird hanging ending. They can leave. They already know the secret of like ghoul jumping. They can get out of those bodies anytime they want. For sure. They can easily swap. So maybe they just don't want to. I don't know. <laughs> I I love it. Honestly, you know what? I was saying that I didn't. The only thing I didn't like again was that dancing because i was all caught up in the detail of the of the of the ghouls literally dancing and them saying that it's a thing that only de- the, the dead do but because you said it is crumping and that is the thing that goes to not do i agree the book is good here's uh here, here here's my little salve for that okay the the dance we see in the graveyard that the ghouls are doing mm-hmm. uh that's like a pale imitation they're not really dancing they're doing the steps but they're not feeling the rhythm. They're, All they're, right. they're dancing to try to feel alive. It is a it is a hollow representation of dancing. I okay, I'm with you. Right. Dancing isn't about doing the steps, it's about feeling. It's it. about feeling. So. Yes, you can do you could do the you could do a cold and calculated dance it would not be dancing. You got to you have to do it from your soul and your spirit. I'm with you. Yeah. So, that that would be my argument is that the dance that the graveyard ghouls do where it's creepy and slow and precise, mm-hmm. like that is them just like trying to feel alive. And what Spencer Jason does at the end is actually he feels the rhythm and he is alive. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love that. Um, this book rules. Like I would almost recommend you if you don't like normally read these books because we're kind of harsh with them. This one's actually kind of a great, like, little little uh, Saturday sit down for an hour and read a thing. This would thing. this would definitely be one worth reading. The, I think the prose is pretty good. Uh, like yeah. I said, there's a couple moments where I think Arnold goes a little. There's a couple moments where you get into the classic, like, was I really going to do this? You know, like mm-hmm. like the thinking for a couple of paragraphs where it's just sort of wasting time. There's a little bit of that, um, and there's a little bit of over over description. But overall, this thing cooks. Yeah, it's very rare that like I recommend a book at the end of one of these uh-huh. podcasts. But this this was legitimately really fun, and the imagery is good, and the setups and payoffs are great. I like the characters. Uh, I, I like a lot about this book. I wish we knew what happened to Duke. That would be my only note. Like, I am I am heartbroken that I don't get to find out the the uh, fate of Duke. Like if if um, Spencer. But was like, oh my god, I hear screaming. Hold on one sec. Goes down to his basement, make sure and make sure Duke is all right. He would be my favorite Goosebumps kid ever. <laughs> I know. I just wanted him to rescue Duke. I wanted to set. I needed the Duke uh, plot line tied up before yeah. we moved on to the fire in town. I needed it, but we didn't get that. That's the only. You're right. It's the only rub in this book. I, I think we deserve a character who is kind. Hmm. Yes, alignment good. Yeah, alignment good. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say that his alignment is good because he didn't do that for. I'm. I'm going to say neutral at best. Like, just take care of the cat. Just be nice to the cat. Save like, the save the cat. 
save the fucking cat. That's save literally the- <laughs> how all any character has to do to earn my undying love is just be nice to a cat. Be nice to a cat. And then you can do whatever the hell you want with your new ghost mist spirit power. Yeah, I think this does have, uh, like I said, the the powers in this book are anime as fuck. You could definitely, like, go, like, super franchise with this. Like, two ghouls having a duel by jumping into increasingly bigger animals or something like that. You could absolutely get at least a 24-episode anime series out of this. Yes, for sure. With an OVA at the end. With an an OVA and maybe a theatrical release of a movie. Oh, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Chad, I'm sorry you didn't get to read this. I am so sad Chad was not here. Chad, you missed a barn burner. Yeah, we did. We did this to you. I mean, maybe in uh, maybe in a couple cycles, we'll come back and read this one again. If we do like a best of like... (laughs) If we are ever, if we ever want to bring back a guest, maybe, you know, and mm. like, and have Chad read this one, like someone who we've had on here that like maybe read a terrible, terrible book that we want to be like, hey, here's a good one. This would be a great candidate for that. I would love to talk about this book with RL himself on the podcast. I, if RL would come on for this one, like this was his opus so far. I would, I would grill him. I like, I would love if, if he wrote this then like awesome like he clearly got the resources and time and rest he needed to make something great Mm -hmm. but if he didn't i would like to like meet the author who wrote this because i think it's an excellent children's uh horror story a great fantastic a great it pushes all the right boundaries yeah except for the fact that duke was left unknown do that you know that is like a, a, a little dark cloud in the sky and i'm not going to be able to ignore it you know what it's a little imperfection that makes the art beautiful is it save the cat (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a bump i think that's it i think we bumped um paul you might have to do the outro stuff because i always put on my dumb voice when i do it and then i forget what i'm talking about so you should probably do it (laughs) well if you like this podcast you can follow us uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash goosebudspod, or mm-hmm. you can email us at goosebuds at gmail.com and let us know what you think. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash goosebuds, uh, where you'll get access to uh, episodes a little bit early, as well as uh, a monthly episode where we uh, bullshit. And uh, this month, we'll probably talk about uh, garlic and scallions and sh- and shallots. Uh, and juice, because it's juice month. And juice, oh, sorry, juice month. Hashtag juice month. Juice hashtag, month. hashtag juice month, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag juice month. Very hard to say. It is It is a bit of a tongue twister. It's a, it's a little tough. And, and you can also, uh, you can get your name in the Book of Names. Book of Names. Which will be coming up soon. Uh, and you can make us say funny things, as long as they're not mean. Yeah. Uh, and you, you can do that by giving money to our Patreon, which we already we already talked about, right? We already talked about, yeah, yeah. Kevin, what the hell? Uh, where the hell should people look for stuff that's going on with you? Um, if 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 you want to hear the things I think about in text form, then you can go to twitter.com/slash real Kevin Cole, and you can listen to me talk. And uh, I recently made a browser video game that uh, is pretty good. It's called Blink Blonk, and you play a cat and you solve puzzles in your basement. And if you go to supertriestudios.com, you can play all of my free browser games. Uh, and I hope you like them because I, I think they're good and I work very hard on them. I agree. I think they're all delights and it's you're going to ha- you're going to have a good time. If you like if you like Kevin's humor, you're going to have a good fun loving time. Oh, Paul, where can people find you? 
Uh, I hide away on the internet, so, you know, I don't really do that type of thing. Hey, Continue's been pretty good lately, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So. I, go, I do have a show on, on YouTube.com slash Continue Show where we play old retro games. If you want to check that out, uh, feel free to come on by. It's Clubhouse where we hang out and uh, make, a, and make a goofs together. You make of the goofs. You're allowed to wear hats when you watch Continue. Wow, that is very hospitable of you. Mm-hmm. That should say everything you need to know about our show. Well, Paul, I think I'm going to go wear a hat right now. <laughs> I'm going to go put my hat on and not think about Catholicism. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This episode of Goosebuds is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon supporters, especially those wonderful folks in the Book of Names. The Book of Names. Started off with Stefan, Jive, Turkey, Kuwabara, Hollis, Hornbeak, Cameron, Murphy, Audio, Michael McDowell, Hey, Josh, Rob, <laughs> Nikki C. <laughs> Heard that, Hootie? Hootie's going nuts in the background. Nathan Dolzal, Kelly C. Mike Lanteri, Buddy Moral, ALK. Mel Dipson. Zang Keith. Low Belly. Hate Me. Afsheen. Danky McStanky. Dango Twist. Brian Wells. Elden Lord Zentacles. Congratulations. Congratulations. Stealth Bates. Patrick Reynolds. Robert Moon. Real quick, I would just like for anyone who is an Elden Lord to please update your name so I know all the Elden Lords. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please. Jason Crooker. Clay Castle. Miguel Pardo. John Keaty. Calf. Third Sergio. New episode of Paranoia Shop out <laughs> now! No, there's, there's, no, there's no new episodes. There's no new episodes. But thank you. Sniggy. Ishak Arafin. Gregory D. Warren. Alan Saylor. Cody Redfield. Bradford Coulter. Aiden Alexander Dice. Reinfected. Jar Jar Slinks. Justin Wagman. Chosen One. Cardboard Walk. Levi Than. Up and Champ. Jonas Engman. Bloister. Carl. Hey y'all, Broccoli here. It's been a fun year, but all things must end. Broccoli oh, recipe incoming. Yeah, yeah. So the broccoli recipe gonna end us? Okay. All I right. wanna hear it. Uh, I wanna know. <laughs> Alicia Grave. The last broccoli recipe you'll ever need. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Elusive Koala. Yanni Markovina. Joe. Brooke X. Jesus Christ. Christian Van Skeever. Drew Applegate. Jeremy Lowe. Brian Hopgood. <laughs> Zach Connor. Ooh, Patreon <laughs> underscore donator comma yo. Are we doing ghost? Joe, are we doing, I don't know, are we doing SNL or spooky? Because it both works. Spooky or SNL? It started at SNL and went spooky. What's the difference? <laughs> Joe, spooky digital ghost tyranny. tyranny. <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, I had to SNL it up because it was a little too spooky. Tom Whittem. Wow. I guess it's been a while since Andrew Jadzak has taken a long enough drive to listen to a podcast. Been there, dude. That's real. Lord Cornwallis. Jonas Bladderman. Carson Birkenbean. Murph EP. Tevin Ticklebean, Gnome Ranger. Cool, 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 cool. Oh. Do you, do you, are you a gnome as a ranger or do you like corral <laughs> gnomes? Wow. Or you like the lone ranger, but the gnome ranger. Oh, oh, I like that. Ooh, that's cool. Sean Minogue. Paul Grasso. Rushy Glenn. Wiggle it. Joe. Regular name. Scott. John Pigeon Hat Barber. Chip Handsome. Matt McClellan. Alex Moon, the robotic dog. Vincent Modica. Sarah Camp. Luke Knoodles. Tanya Turtle. Hugh Bolin. Zam Bambino. Adam, you goofed. Juan Jalapena. Keith Halcrow. 
Timothy Misadolakis. Clay McCarty. Nathan Remick. Matthew Stevens. Need more kimchi, formerly Divaldi. Thought I should clarify. I appreciate that, Divaldi. Glad to know Divaldi is still there. Parker Lee! Ham underscore boat. Hey guys, Kevin here. Just wanted to know if Goosebuds is a pro or anti-September 11 podcast. I don't- Kevin already knows that answer. I don't know why he'd be asking. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I don't know if I should be pro or anti. Wait, no, you're anti-September 11th, clearly. <laughs> but I'm pro-remembering it. I, I'm pro it as a date. Yeah, it's a good, like a, I mean, it's, I'm, I am not anti, I'm neutral on all dates, really. It's actually my parents' anniversary, so I guess I'm pro-September 11th. <laughs> <laughs> For good reason. Reed Steubenjike. Raymond Hernandez. Flemily. The Crow fans. Matthew Sutton. Joey Evans. Lee Wood. Jeffrey Owen Kahi. Carewise Gamgee. Kelsey Kinnaman. Swaggy Yolo Squire. Cameron Hansen. Russell Kastberg, me lord. Javier Jimenez. Brandon Arafin. Liam Neeson's dough. Chris Putricus. Scotty Pippen. Streak. Meet Virginia. Generally depressing. Dom Sexy Ghost, a.k.a. Captain Sick. Dungeon Kappa. Yeah, yeah. Ben Bohan. Boss Gerritsen. MC Hamster on the ones and twos. That'd be more of a DJ, but, you know. Zach Ware in the morning. Limp Duck in the afternoon. Stinklitch after dark. Ooh. Alan G. Jessam. Tobias Clark. Michael Kupka. Adam Muth. Elden Slink. Congratulations. Ooh. Very nice. Hey, Anthony. I'm glad you're doing better. Keep up the good work. Good work, Anthony. Good Ryan job. Stewart. Jonas Evanvoldsen. Calamity Carl. Germgeus. Nick Johnson. Stephen Day. Estimena, Lord of Paul's Pants. The wrong kind of lord, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, not an Elden Lord, more of a Denim Lord. The Davy Boy. Kenny M. Ryan Carroll. Jeremy Bowser. Dr. Diarrhea. Megan McCormick Mason. Kieran McNamara. Diet Soda. Scalafella. Ninja Breadman. Jackie Ledeau. Coleman Laguza. They call me Dr. Lamb. They call me Dr. Lamb. <laughs> I should have done Yeah, see, I was like, I immediately fucked it up. I didn't sing it. Yeah. Oh, you got little old Ma pretty Frenched. Hey, Peanut Burg level 69 is all I'm saying to that. Dr. Chocula. Jimmy Soul. A pair of Scots. Levi Kidder. David Gray. Bryce Deary. Matthew Brittata. Moon Juice. Carbson. I am Cornholio. I need TP for my bunghole. SSJ Trogdor. Some of Chad's bird friends. Nicholas Maloney. Midwest Indigo 13. Burgers Hot Dwarf Summer World. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my. I. It is the start of Hot Dwarf Summer, everybody. <laughs> Burger has called it. It's picturing a lot of dwarfs twerking right now, and I dig it. <laughs> nice. Thomas Jansis. Aaron Lord. Another Lord of something. I don't know what. Congratulations. Congratulations. Tell me if I'm saying this wrong, but Dunnage Warehouse. Tell me if I'm saying this right. Eric Horwitz. Tiffany Lee definitely said that right. Doctor mm. Eggdrop Soupman. Lucretia McEvil. Elmrail. Mutant Astronaut. Mike Spaghetti Jones. Henry Torbert. Redemption. Adam Knapp. Chris. Logan Derby. Brad Schmelzer. David Lynch. Triple X. Brendan Fraser. 666. Chick. Milk Punk. Mr. Misfire. Mandy Nasty. Llama Lad. Soggy Newspapers. Wagmar Wigmere. Dakota Camp. John Dub. 976-E-V-I-L. Oh, that smells evil. <laughs> Philip Reynolds. <laughs> Detroit Red. Nathan Gurney. Kiwi of Lerve. Serial Killer X. R.R. Davis Crafts. Ryanimator. Scott Wable. Kit Bush. That's Dr. Mr. Unimportant <laughs> to you. 
Is Kid Bush a Kate Bush reference? Because listen, I'm just I'm just digging it. Everything's a Kate Bush reference now. Uh, Kate Bush is uh, New Zealand Kate Bush. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. I'm just digging that resurgence of Kate Bush right now. Rocco, Josh Howell, Ali, Safe, Liam Rogers, Evan Bowen, Benjamin Luther, Edgar's Crassus, Zach Bentley, Dennis Wright. Over the Moon, Cameron Gansveld, Greg Bustow, Vosivi, Matt Septor, Greg Gervasi, aka Vitizen, Dakota Kipper, Chad Charge, <laughs> Jesus Christ, hey, Anthony Rodriguez, <laughs> hey, B, <laughs> oh my god, Kevin's had us monkeys trapped for two months, after writing 20 goosebumps, he won't let us go, I have a PhD. <laughs> I think that last part's kind of unrelated to the other part of that story. Uh, I'd like to address the recent monkey controversy leveled against me, uh, and all I have to say is get back to work. Jeff Webb is a big baby, and now that it has been said on a podcast, it's definitely true. Congratulations I... on your new baby self, Jeff. <laughs> May you be reborn and have a new lease on life. That's a sweeting. I sure hope that nobody is using our podcast to mess with their friends. Don't mix me up in the middle of that. Julius the Nice Dragon. Aw. Uh-huh. Reverend Odin's Eye Hole MD. Another doctor. So Everyone's becoming Elden Lord and doctors. <laughs> a-, a faith int build. <laughs> <laughs> Jiraku, the thing that goes doink in the anime. <laughs> Yay. Hey. Hi. First time, long time. Allie Rose. Sprinkle Buns. Spencer Y. And now, welcome to the new names in the Book of Names. names. Join us, Hilda B. Welcome, James Stavrinos. Welcome, Gelato Coon. Hello, Chris Byers. How long will you remain Chris Byers and not Chris <laughs> Byers, Elden Lord, or MD or something? How's it going, Mike? Hunt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, even the delay, it was still there. It's still there. You can't escape it. I, I, I knew a, a Mike Hunt in middle school. Maybe this is him coming back. All right. Um, Mike, if you were my former middle school bully, just let me know. It's cool that you're pledging and being part of the name. Just let me know. Kate the Great. And finally, welcome my cart. Close the book upon your name. Names. <laughs> okay, stop there. No, we did it. We're good. Nailed it. Flypaper. The work of the people. Owned by the people. Supported by the people. Visit flypaper.fm.